Yo, 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 welcome back everyone to another episode of the Anything and Everything podcast. Um, dude, episode 5, Andor came out. Sitting across the table for me today is my boy, Big Tim, a.k.a. the Dinosaur Man. What's up, Jason? How you doing today, brother? Uh, appreciate you having me on for this episode. As usual, as we continue our Star Wars series here at a and um, obviously produced by Colormatic Studios. Um, episode five. Um, on the on the surface, not much to talk about. Not but as you really deep dive, kind of into each individual frame, each individual cut, you kind of start to paint a different picture of what's going on in the Star Wars universe right now. Like different storylines are being progressed, and obviously characters are being developed, and future key partners are being introduced. On a literally a scene to scene basis, and, and <clears throat> essentially what this was is that this is a g- another giant setup episode for the rest of the series. Your thoughts? Um, I agree. I I think that, and I think we had the same reaction to episode four that we did to this episode. Where on the surface we got done the episode, we were like, okay, it was engaging. It was it was pretty good. It was better than one, two, and three. But it wasn't a lot to talk about. And then we like we looked over like the episode recap. We looked over some of the stuff that we saw. And we kind of just started to think about it and talk about it and write our notes. And it was just like we kept pulling shit at, on top of shit on top of shit like out of the episode. And we're like, wow, there's a lot of stuff. And we still miss stuff that we're going to talk about here in a second from episode four. But like you said, episode five does a great job at, at the world building and at getting kind of the entire future of Star Wars and connecting and combining the animated series to future projects and older projects, it does that very well. And like you said, it doesn't just say it outright. It puts little details in the background, shows little things, and that's a huge step to how Star Wars is different in other ways at world building than other franchises. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think um, to the casual Star Wars fan, this show really isn't doing you any justice. Yeah, no. Um, because it, you know, you you would pick up like a like a conversation between Mon Mothma and her daughter and her her husband, and you'd be like, "Oh, this is just normal family conversation." No, there's actually a lot to divulge from that conversation that we'll get to later. But as like a, a Star Wars enthusiast like myself and Jason, you you, you really just see different. Um, different things on a scene to scene basis if you really follow the lore and you follow all these other series going on because you'll start to piece together just giant like small pieces of a big puzzle. Yeah, I, I think the the big thing about this show and, and it's something we might even start doing in our episodes are there is a lot of missable details. Like small missable details. Like a couple episodes ago, um when he's when uh I can't remember the dude's name. He, uh Who is it? It's in my it's in my notes. Cyril? I gotta find Cyril? the name. No, Skeen sneaks up on the other guy with oh, the knife yeah, yeah, yeah. out of the gun mm-hmm. in the first episode or whatever, in one of those episodes. And, you know, he's like, blah, 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 Saul Guerrero. Like, if you don't know Star Wars, you miss that detail completely. You miss that reference to Saul Guerrero completely. And you're just passing over, like, okay, it's just some dude. But, like, if you know Star Wars, you know that that was a huge, like, detail drop. Like, that was an enormous detail that you can easily miss. And even for Star Wars fans like ourselves, like, we heard the name. But I couldn't catch the full quote. I had to go back and look it up. But 
like that is a missable detail, and this series is full of those missable details, and more of them happen here in this episode, um, where they just they mention things in passing, and like it doesn't seem like a lot on the surface, but when you know what it is, it's a lot. Yeah, or even like quick, like just quick quip, you know, quips of um, certain conversations, like. For example, I'm going to give you kind of one of our quotes we have for later in the show. Mon Mothma says to her husband while they're in the car, hey, uh, I am, or we're donating to another charity, which means, a.k.a., hey, I'm slowly putting more of our money into the rebellion, which if you don't pick up on that, you know, that's on you, but, you know, it's a pretty, yeah, to somebody else, they're just like, oh, it's just her conversating with her husband, like, you you have to know like if Disney's gonna put the scene together, it's for a reason, and it's either to build a character or to further the storyline. They're just not gonna put stuff in there just for you know, like uh, for eye candy, or, yeah, you know, so to speak. I I think that's the big thing that this series does is that like we've known Disney and Marvel to do this in the MCU. Like there is not a single word of dialogue or background prop or costume that isn't intentionally put there, and Star Wars is moving in that direction, and that's really great and that sometimes it comes off as fan servicey and as just like throwing something in there just to have it there but in this series it's done so well and so subtly that you don't even really realize it until you go back and re-look at it and say oh wait that was there um you know and, and a lot of that happened in episode four yeah and so I, sorry sorry for this guys but we um after watching it like three more times we missed a significant amount of stuff and we kind of missed that actually what it really was you yeah. know we, we kind of hit on a couple of them but we, we were just ballpark you know? yeah we actually got some confirmation and obviously just rewatching it like uh obviously the the sith armor we thought was sith armor actually was it was based off of star killer yeah from the popular 2008 2009 video game um the which, force unleashed which that armor in itself being in the show I, I mean, the the realm of possibility that that could open up to the character of Starkiller, I don't think they're ever going to bring him into canon. I really don't. At least in the timeline, in the spot in the timeline that he, that he normally appears. I think he might show up in a different part of the timeline at some point somehow. Um, but that opens up a huge realm of possibility with just that single piece of background prop. It's like it's amazing. Yeah. And then you you fast forward I guess like an extra 30 seconds and then we introduce time travel to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, you know the world between worlds, you know seeing those artifacts which we we thought we saw but was confirmed upon a couple extra viewings. Yeah, and um you know a couple so, screenshots I saw on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, uh and then we have some you know Wookiee battle armor. Yep. Um we saw um uh the Mandalorian armor obviously the, the, we obviously saw the Mandalorian that. we we knew about uh the mask um, yeah, the mask. Yeah, uh, Plo Koon's mask. Yeah, Plo, yeah. Sorry, I couldn't. I, I mind blanked on the name. Yeah, Plo, Plo Koon's That mask. one is him having that mask is like huge because I believe it was in Legends uh, or old EU content that that mask actually has a huge significance after Plo Koon has it, and I don't remember exactly what it is, but anybody in the comments can let us know um, or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. DM us, let us know because you might know better than us, but. I'm pretty sure that mask has a pretty big influence uh, later on. So seeing it in this show is actually really, really... It's a cool Easter egg, and it's a really easy, easily missed detail, but it's, a, it's awesome to see it there. Love that character. 
Yeah, and then we get like some other pretty cool things that the holocrons, a Sith and Jedi holocron, yep. which we see again in Episode Five. It's actually um, later very in the heavily shown in that episode in the background. Like, yeah, like I mean, they and they're it there for minutes. Just to give you a, a kind of like a size comparison, uh, these holocrons are about the size of a boombox. Oh, they're uh, they're they're massive. Like when you see reason. them in all other Star Wars content, like. They're a little bit bigger than your hand, like like they're they're they a little the, bit bigger. Yeah, they fit in the palm of your hand, like a like a like a small hamster. But in this, in 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 the first live action appearance of these things, other than you're, in you're essentially picking up a the sequels. Ball. Other than it's, the sequels, because there was a Sith holocron in the sequels. No, it was a wayfinder, but it was inside of a holocron. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like when you see it there, it doesn't look that big. But when you see it on this shelf, it's the fucking size of Luthen Ryle's head, like. It's enormous, and you're just—I'm kind of looking at it like I'm like as a Star Wars fan, it's throwing me off because I know the size of them, but I'm okay with it because it it, it allows for so much more detail or best written into the ancient lettering, written into the you know scripture, written into the actual artifact itself, which makes it really really cool uh, to see. Yeah, it's just he—he uh, he has actually just such a. Very interesting collection. I, I would love just like a, a short series on how on the collection. acquired the collection. Dude, that would be. Itself. I would be honestly. Would be so I would be cool. so down for that. Like a little like, even if it was like a uh, ten minute short episodes of how he c- acquires some of this stuff, because um, he also has a Calicori, which is a ancestral uh, collector, not collector. It, it's it's ancestral. It's, like a, it's, like a, it's a family familial tree. It's like a fa- tree. It's a, yeah, it's, it's for. Harrison Dula's... Which is passed down generation to generation. I forget uh, they, the name... As they, as they get transpire and get of, older. I forget the name of the uh, species that I, does yeah, it. You're, you're better at that than me. I want to say so. it's to grow to, but I don't know for sure. So correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's to grow to, though. Um, they pass this down. It's a generational family item that they pass down. And they, and they each generation adds something to the Calicori. And it's a wooden structure that's made with... Uh, they carve out like images and stuff, and it's really cool. If you've never seen Rebels, you can look up the picture of it in Rebels. It actually plays a really big part in the final season. So, but anyway, we we missed a lot of stuff from Episode Four, and again in Episode Five, there was a lot of stuff to miss, and I think we picked up on a good amount of it this time. Um, but let's see if we can find anything uh, that we missed. Uh, I don't think it's all here. In the, oh, here's one that's cool towards the end of the episode. Um, our character, Serial, I guess his name is. I, I don't know the exact pronunciation there. Yeah, we, we know how it's spelt. We just don't know how to pronounce it. But it's a it ser- looks like Serial, Serial, uh, something along those lines. Uh, so he has these really cool, and I, I mentioned it. It never focuses on them, but I mentioned it when we were watching. I was like, I want to know what those statues are or those figurines. And they're actually confirmed to be clone trooper figurines, which shows that, you know, this guy has this att- this attraction to, like, the powerful, like, yeah, like authority, authority you know? figures uh, in the galaxy, which we'll tie back into that later uh, in a second. Um, but like, so much to pull out of this episode, and whether it's just cool details that I have written down or actual like stuff that is here to talk about. Um, yeah, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to give you guys a little more structure and kind of just go from what we saw from the start of the episode to the end so you yeah. guys can follow with us here so we're not kind of jumping jumping ship all over the place. Yeah, we're trying to f- establish a structure here and we're going to get better as the episodes go on. It's just it's difficult when you like have when you don't know what you're going into yet until it's like we watch it, we have 20 minutes to build up our plan and then to record. So um, but so we're going to start here um, with kind of some not as important details 
just some kind of little stuff that's cool to talk about. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, what the the opening shot of this episode is, you know, the, <laughs> our 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 uh, favorite mall cop cereal is sitting down eating cereal. Yes. Um. Uh, yeah. It in, looks in like, blue like milk. some kind of like mint cocoa puffs. Or Reese's he's puffs got going or on yeah. with some nice blue milk that. You know, uh, you, you can you can sample at uh, Galaxy's Edge down in Florida, or if, if in, you're out in Cali. In Cali, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's he's sitting there just eating this meal, and his mother just kind of walks up, and he's just she's just like, "You're not good enough. You don't have any career prospects. You are lacking in X, Y, and Z. And what are you gonna do with yourself?" Because yeah. Uh, we we can only assume at this point, you know, originally while we, he wasn't going to get fired, it, it seems as if he was let go. Cause he's back on Coruscant now. He's back on the you know the Imperial home planet. Um, so we, we, I think, you know, his his mom's talking to him and she says, "Well, I'm gonna call your uncle. I'm gonna call your uncle." And I guess we we find out later in the episode that the uncle uh, works for the Empire. Um, and you you kind of you kind of figure out just through like context clues and kind of just reading the room because as he's he's sitting in his room kind of just reminiscing to himself thinking about what he did wrong um he he looks at a picture of cassian yeah he pulls up the hologram he pulls up the hologram of cassian and they actually do a side-by-side with um deidre while she's in the uh the security headquarters yeah and you can kind of draw a parallel there that that these two at some point are going to link up yeah they're definitely going to link up at some point and maybe you know his passion for Andor, and her passion for the Empire kind of get together, and form a, like a stronger manhunt for Cassian. Because obviously, by the time they formulate, you know we're gonna be at the point where um, Cassian has raided this this airbase or this, yeah, this the, the auxiliary garrison. hole, and it, it's gonna be on the map now. You know, this is gonna be one of the big bigger. One of the bigger rebellion conflicts since you know nineteen uh, BBY, um, so it's it, it, this episode is really great and uh, like it, when we got done watching, we we're kind of like meh. But then as we look through the details, we're like, okay, like there's a lot of cool stuff that happens, and I feel like we're gonna do that a lot in this series. We're, we're gonna be, we're gonna watch an episode, and be like meh, and then we're gonna go through the details, we're like, oh, okay, I see what they were doing, and we're gonna grow an appreciation for it. I think uh, by the end of the series, we're gonna be like, wow, this was a really well done series, uh, and, and just like the character building at first seems really bad, and I feel like at times it can be bad. I mean, there is characters who we're building for no reason. We feel like, but the characters uh, of uh, the character of Deidre Miro, who is the, the blonde-haired Imperial woman who you were just talking about, um, she gets a, a decent development here in this uh, in this episode, and it's subtle. And that's the thing I think the series is doing really well: is subtle development of things and bringing stuff into the world building. Uh, you know, she believes that this rebel cause is brewing to something bigger, and she's. We talked about this in the last episode. She's right to assume that it is brewing into something bigger, and she knows. And she's right. I mean, it's going to become something bigger, and I think you are right. I think Serial here, our mall cop, is going to, uh, you know, become kind of join forces with her to go after Andor and the rebel cause as a whole. Yeah, because, I mean, at this point, we are still, what, 5 BBY. Um, we're one, as long as, you know, Disney stays true to its, you know, what it's been provided already, we're one year out from, you know, one of the uh, former Jedi Masters being busted out from Mustafar with a combined rebellion attack. Yeah. Um, so, 
And then, obviously, two years later, obviously, uh, the full-on outbreak, the Mon Mothma declares war on the uh, Imperial, um, uh, obviously, the Empire. So, you know, it, like I said, the Empire doesn't exactly know a rebellion's coming. They just think it's isolated incidents. Yeah, but you know, the majority of the Empire doesn't know. Yeah, there's, there's a lot there of backdoor. There is small people who do. Well, the people that are obviously involved in, uh, hey, we were attacked, you know, yeah. like. But little do they know that all these cells are starting to come together. And obviously, we're one, one year out from when the cells all officially come together for the first time. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it, it, the rebellion's coming, and Deidre's right. She's right, she's still right, you know, right on the money. And it's, it's only going to be a matter of time before, uh, you know, uh, the Death Star blows up. Yeah. Again. She, she's right on the money about the rebels being, uh, you know, coming together as we were dead on the money about uh, Andor. Or, or as we weren't, I guess, dead on the money about Andor being a sucky show because Episode Four kicked the notch up, and Episode Five is continuing that trend for you know continuing to be a great show, uh, or what could be a great show if it continues to go in the direction it's going. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call Episodes One, Two, and Three the prequel to Andor. Yeah, it's like the prequel. The, to the, the prequel. prequel sucks. Yeah, the prequel is ass. Um, um, but Episode Four and Five, which is essentially I'm gonna consider just a new whole series. Fantastic. And yeah. I guess it kind of go, goes back to your earlier comments, the last couple episodes, saying that the, I guess the writers intended one, two, and three to be its own separate its own arc, arc, which yeah. it was. It, tr- it truly was. Not that it was a very interesting arc, and like, but um, it was good. Maybe now that we know that we have to look for smaller details, maybe we do go back at some point in those first episodes and like look for those smaller details that we didn't grab the first time, uh, and just try and find something that there is, you know, to talk about, but. Like I said, Deidre was getting a lot of character development, and in this, uh, in this, by the end of this episode, she's hitting the mollies, dude. She's hitting painkillers for something. Yeah, Never she, really explains uh, it, but because we're getting, we get a scene where she's obviously, you know, ch- she's chatting with her assistant, obviously pretty late at night, because she she mentioned to her assistant that hey, you know, you should be on your way out the door. So it's li- obviously it's a little later in the evening. Um, and they both kind of agreed, like, hey, let's, let's go through two more files each, see if we can find anything on this rebellion, so to speak. Yeah. And then uh, she sneakily just quickly pops some medication, you know, whether it's, you know, pain meds, Adderall, prescription drugs. We don't know yet. Obviously, they wouldn't have put it there if not for a reason. Exactly. And she and, and she intentionally does it while the assistant has it's like his turned back away. turned. Yeah. Yep. And then, obviously, when he turns back around, all he sees is her taking a drink. Yeah, you know, she, so. she's taking a drink, and she kind of has. I don't know if you noticed it, and it might just be like maybe the actress actress slipped up. Uh, she has like a little smirk there, kind of like, "Oh, I got away with it." I don't know. Maybe it was just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm going crazy or just imagining something. But I thought I saw a smi- slight smirk as she was taking her drink. Um, but like I said, th- this this series with some characters does a really great job of building the characters, uh, but at other times. At least with the seven that are like the main seven that are going to raid the garrison, it feels like they're building characters to kind of just build characters and push arcs unnecessarily for random reasons. Yeah, I mean, you like I'll give you a couple couple context, not context clues, but like examples of this. Obviously, you know, Skeen, he gets, um, you know, obviously when he, he you know, Andor wakes up from this nap. He immediately looks for his crystal. He can't find it. He can't find his effects. So he starts searching the camp, and he sees Skeen shirtless, kind of scavenging through his items. And watching clothes, I guess? Yeah, watching some kind of clothes or whatever. And, you know, obviously Andor looks him up and down, sees the tattoos, and he goes, I recognize this, I recognize that. 
Well, I mean, Skeen kind of points out, like, hey, oh, I noticed you recognized this. I, you looked right I, I saw you. you looked right at it and you noticed it. Yeah. So this is – I know you know what it means, but this is what this one means. So we, we find out they're actually jailhouse tattoos that Andor is actually very familiar with. You know, yeah. And they kind of bond together for a second over, like, time in prison. And uh, obviously his – I guess his – connection to it and it's, it's very, fairly interesting but it for characters that me and jason here believe are going to die uh, and at least during, half of them are going to yeah, die at least half of them are going to die in this raid um if andor sticks true to what it's supposed to be a show about sacrifice a show yep. about the rebellion you know not everybody lives unfortunately not you know saul guerrero died you know we thought he was going to make it yeah know? and, and, we, and we he thought, dies and and i mean at the end of the Andor dies. Andor Jin dies. Jin Urso dies. Jin Urso dies. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. Serio uh, dies. Like a- everybody you know. dies. I mean, it, a show you about know, rebellion uh, and rebellions you know, are honestly uh, built on sacrifice. Yeah, Obi Wan dies. Luke dies. Han Solo dies. Leia dies. You know, we have all these deaths. So, you know, if we can kill off these main characters, Ben shit, Ben Solo dies. You know, yep. if we're gonna kill off all these major characters, Yoda dies. That, but that's kind Yoda of, dies. You're right. But I mean, the guy was like a thousand years old. Yeah, so. I, but think about think about the the thousands of Jedi. But I mean, at least the ones that we know, tens of twenty, like, you know, thirty Mace, Jedi. Base Windu, named Darth Jedi. Vader, named Jedi that you know, died. Plo Sidious Koon, twice. Kiati Mundi, Kit Fisto. I, I can go. On, I can go all along about these guys. You know, so, Coleman Trevor, everybody. So if these powerfully massive, strong characters can die, then who's to say these seven Bums, essentially. Yeah, I mean, no names. The, uh, uh, raising goats in a, a, a deserted planet uh, are going to raid a garrison and all make it out alive. Yeah, That's, there's unlikely. no way. There's Definitely no way. unlikely. So we, we feel as if like some of the character development just is, is kind of off. You know, uh, I mean, we we get uh, some LGBTQT um, kind of hints here between. Uh, yeah, between Vel and uh, Kitma, sister Kit- or something. Uh, I don't Kit- know. So I can't remember her name. One of those names. But you know, uh, we get some, the, some representation there. Yeah, it's it's the it's the I guess she's Asian. Yeah, they're sharing a blanket. The Asian Indian. lady, yeah, Indian. Indian. Was she Indian? Yeah, Indian. Um, yeah, they're I think sharing, I did that sharing a blanket. Too. You know, which was a subtle hint that you know there's a ro- romantic relationship there. You yeah, know, between the two two women. Uh, <sighs> very very interesting. Which that. honestly, it, and and it doesn't bother me as much in this series as like it did in. The sequels were like it felt like they were trying to force like the Poe Finn thing for a while, and it was like really like it felt forced, even though it never happened. Well, episode, no, episode nine specifically, yeah, you know, at least towards the end, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, <laughs> Poe's Poe's ex girlfriend shows up. Yeah, I think that was kind of like, like uh, a and meanwhile, to, like, get whole, rid of it. and then meanwhile, episode seven, episode eight, Finn's trying to sleep with Ray. Yeah. And, it, it was just—it was it, just weird. The continuity there was thrown off, but at least it doesn't feel as forced there. Yeah, well, it was think, just a subtle. Th- oh yeah, they're sharing a blanket, so don't try. You know, it. there's there's six rebels, you know, camping for months in a remote planet by themselves. Yeah. obviously, you know, they're gonna you're, get close. You're, you're gonna find you're gonna find somebody you're going to snuggle with at night when you're, when you're, you're sleeping in a hammock. And it's fucking ten degrees outside. Yeah, and you know, it, love's gonna find love no matter where it's at. But this seems more genuine than it would have been in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, the definitely. The sequel trilogy just seemed it was off. There was no real chemistry there. So. Yeah, I, I think that's the difference that we've seen in the new Filoni Favreau verse when compared to the sequels is that they're taking time to build from the ground up and to do it slowly and to not force things 
and they're building it just properly. Instead of just trying to sh shoehorn things in there, they're building it carefully. They're you know they're taking slow steps because they know that right now the the Star Wars fan base and the Star Wars community is very very divided and very very split up. People love the originals. People love the prequels. People love the shows. People love the uh, the live action shows. People love the sequels. It's very split, and they don't know. They don't. They're trying to combine everything and do it in a way that everybody can be happy with, and, and I think that they're doing a, a stellar job so far. Uh, oh yeah, but De definitely, hundred percent. Before we move on, guys, and to the, our next topic, we're going to take a short commercial break, and we'll see you guys back in a minute. All right, so before we hop back into the episode, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our production company, CarMax Studios, for supplying us everything that we need. Uh, you can pick up a CarMax Studios mouse pad or any equipment like that. You can also pick up hoodies, T-shirts. Uh, we have women's clothes. We have kids' stuff. We got anything you need for anybody in your family. Go ahead. Uh, you can pick up ColorMax Studios. We also have A&E merchandise if you guys want to pick that up. You can find all these links on our Twitter as well as on our Instagram page. And, uh, yeah, so let's hop back into the episode. All right, so what I want to talk about here is uh, I thought this was just a really cool thing. And Dude, I, I would awesome. imagine like, if, if I was a fighter pilot, I would 100% do this at any given time, any given moment, just because I'm that guy. Whether I was flying a TIE or like a regular aircraft, I'm doing this. So we see our Rebels. They're, they're sitting kind of in the valley. Like they're, they're, marching towards the, they're marching towards the base, getting ready to kind of go – kind of. Get ready for their assault for the next day because the festival's coming up the next day. And all of a sudden, they see a TIE fight in the distance. And they're like, oh, he's gone. And all of a sudden, the, the TIE fighter's like, fuck you, no, no I'm not. And comes screeching by, barely be like 10 feet above like the water level. And you see the water come up. And you up, see the water like fly up. And it's just, it's so cool. And meanwhile, I'm like, it's so I would loud. like that would be me. Yeah, 100%, and it's so loud, and I think what's really cool, again, another missable detail, and it's such small, and it's a great job on the sound design by the sound team, you can tell that it's, TIE Fighters sound different on planets than they do in space. In space, they have more of that, and, and, and in, in the atmosphere, they have more of like a, a louder, enginey hum, where it's like, and it's like a much deeper tone. So, the... I'm not sure if you are familiar with World War II, but um, TIE fighters, their I guess their purpose and their design were kind of designed after the Stukas that the Nazis used in World War II. Yeah. So the Stukas were dive bombers and fighters. Now their objective, the the Nazis attacked attack. It was called Blitzkrieg. You know, uh, lightning war, something fast, something to scare the opponent. So when Stukas would dive bomb, they had a, a siren. In their uh, in their propellers, so when they would come dive bomb, it would screech, and it would it's supposed to be like a, a scare tactic for yeah. your opponent. Could you imagine being on the ground and you all of a sudden you hear a tie fighter flying over you that and that loud ominous humming that like Row! like that would be like Dude, I was kind of I was generally kind of scared. I was like I was like oh shit like this like as as cool as that was you get some it, chills. It, You're like, yeah, it was, I was like oh okay you know so. Kudos to that for kind of designing the TIE fighters for scare tactics, you know, because obviously the, the you know, empire is going around colonizing, um, colonizing these planets, and they have to use shock tactics and fear tactics to keep everybody in line. Because at this point in time, the Death Star isn't around yet. 
Yeah, they no. just have these star destroy uh, the star destroyers going around, kind of like scaring people. But you know, these Tie fighters coming down, ATATs, ATSTs. You know, some of their bigger equipment. You know, yeah. Death Troopers. You know, there's a there's a lot of stuff that the Empire throws at these these planets, and the Tie Fighter is one of the scarier ones for sure. Yeah, it definitely is. And and like we said, that they were they were there, they were training, they were working, they were kind of getting ready for their uh, attack on the garrison. And we see that Andor has an expertise in being able to you know kind of blend in, basically. Like that's how he stole the initial part that he met up with Luthen. Uh, he's been doing this since he was basically a kid. I mean, he's been trained by, I guess, his mother and his, I guess, stepfather, I guess it would have yeah, been. Yeah, I mean, he's been fighting the, the Empire since he was a young kid. Yeah. Um, he, we, and we see that flashback scene when he was young. He, you know, his, his buddy gets killed by that, um, that galactic trooper. So, you know, he's been, he's, been, he's been at this fight for a long time. He knows how to walk like a trooper. He knows how to blend in. He knows how their formations look. Like he, yep. they correct, um, he corrects the one gentleman on how he should be placed in the formation so it looks more natural. Yep. You know how fed, uh, imperial federations work. And and I'm sorry, formations. I apologize. And then she questions and she uh, the, the the taller uh, Tamar Tamar I, I can't remember his name because that's the one we didn't write down. Um, the taller. Dude, I don't can't I just can't get his name. Yeah, see if you see if you can find that for a second. Uh, but he so he's kind of like, why are you why, why do you want to make this change? And you know he's like, no, we're not gonna make that change. You're gonna deal with it. You're gonna listen to me. And then Vel is like, oh okay, like let show me why. You know, show me why you want to make this change. And he explains it. And when he explains it, you're just like, holy shit, this dude knows like a lot. Like he really shows that he's an expert in blending in. You know, and you kind of have to be when you're a rebel. You have to blend in. You got to be able to, you know, change it. And they show it in almost every movie. The in episode four, you see them blend in to be um, stormtroopers on the Death Star. And then in uh, well, episode five, I guess they don't really blend much. They kind of just going guns blazing. And then episode six, you know, you see them blend in using camouflage to their environment. So you know, these rebels have a way of blending in very well. And you know they show it again here, uh, and, and there's also some, and that's where one, that's one of the scenes that you see in fighting within so the group. So we have obviously we have um, the leader of the group is uh, Vel, um, Vel Sartha. Then we have Sintakaz, uh, Arvel Skeen, Karis Nemec, Taramin Baros Barsona. And then we have uh, Gorn, obviously, Lieutenant Gorn. You said Tamarin is the name? Uh, Tamar, uh, Taramin Barsona. Taramin. Okay, Taramin. Yeah, so that's the one that he uh, kind of has an argument with. And he's kind of had a beef with him since he showed up here. Uh, Taramin not really liking the fact that an outsider shows up five months into the operation. Yeah, uh, it's it was, um, you know, he's been questioning, obviously, Andor almost the whole time. And uh, obviously... Uh, What's the the gentleman Nemec? Um, Nemec, the young man. I'm sorry, no, no I'm sorry. Nemec was the, the the smart guy that was going one, over yeah. like he was the, the political ambitions of the empire. Um, no, but Skeen. Skeen's been kind of Skeen late in this episode. Uh, surprises Andor with a knife to the neck. Uh, later on, after the marching scene. Because Nemec, I'm mean, not Nemec. <laughs> I keep saying Nemec. I like that guy's name. Skeen <laughs> kind of wants to figure out. 
Because he doesn't believe Andor, a.k.a. Clem, Yeah, what's going on. He's Which like, is his father's name. Yeah, Clem is actually his father's name, is Alias. Um, so the whole time, Skeen's like, it's, something's not right, dude. So he, he pulls the knife out, cuts off, cuts the string, and finds the kyber crystal yeah. around his neck. And he goes, this man's holding 30,000 credits around his neck. What's going on here? Yeah, it's he, he's really like, man, like, why? What, what is his ulterior motive? Because... There's no way this dude's walking around with at minimum 30,000 credits on his neck and he has no other motive because like we're sitting here living in the slums and he's got credits sitting around his neck. Like there's there's something else happening here that that's not he's not telling us. Yeah, so we we find out you know I, I, we we I mean we already knew this, but the group finds out that Andor's just there for cash. He doesn't believe in the rebellion. He doesn't believe in, you know, sacrifice yourself for the greater good. He just goes, "Hey, I'm being, I'm here because I'm being paid, and that's the only reason." Yeah, and and, and that this happens after that whole argument. Vel kind of shuts down the, you know, the the tense moment, and then, uh, you know, and then you, and then he just kind of blurts it out out of nowhere. She's like, "Let's get moving," and then out of nowhere, he stops him. He's like, "He's like, listen, I'm only doing this for the money. Like, I really don't care about the rebellion. I just want my money so I can get free and get out of here." Because I'm tired of this life. Like I want to get, it, I kind of want to get out of it with the money, um, which obviously we know that will not be successful as he dies in Rogue One. So then we find out, you know, that the crew, you know, we find out that they have no idea how to actually launch the ship out of, I guess, like the docking bay it's sitting in, um, because they don't know the exact weight of the ship, and they kind of like press Andor, like, "Yo, like, you know, how much does the ship weigh?" And he's kind of like, "Well, what do you mean, like?" Why does it matter? Like, why does it matter how much ship weighs? And they say, well, it takes like a propulsion system, and you need to put 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 in the exact weight of the ship. Well, they don't know what it is, and they didn't know how they were going to figure it out. But because like, if Andor didn't show up, they were fucked. They were not going to figure that out themselves. Yeah, they they would just figure it out on the fly. But if that in a situation like that, where you're going into a hostile environment, you know, people don't know who you are. You know, you're gonna um, you're gonna attract attention. Unfortunately, you're gonna run into some, some blocks in the road. You're gonna run into yeah. You're gonna run into some guy. You know, some hotshot stormtrooper is gonna be like, your credentials don't add up. And then next thing you know, it's gonna be a shooting gallery, and you know you don't you don't wanna be stuck there with your team trying to figure out how to fly a ship at the last minute, and then your whole team gets killed. Yeah, you know, and, so and and that's definitely like the that's the attitude that this I feel like this crew has, and that, honestly, ultimately, that's why they're gonna die. That that's that's a huge reason as to why I'm looking at this team going, at least half of them die. Because they have no, they're just flying by the seat of their pants, hoping everything goes well. And before Andrew got there, they he's already pointed out three or four flaws in their plan. They didn't know the weight of the ship. They were walking in improper formation. That you know they have other things that they didn't know what how they were going to get out of it. And he's just solving all their problems. And if he didn't show up, they were screwed. Yeah, I mean, my initial like prognosis on this plan is that they're just going to walk in there, you know, see how it goes. Yeah, it's it's definitely not. You know, they 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 went in there and were just like we're gonna figure it out on the fly, and that's like you said in a situation like that you can't do that. It's just not how it works. It's you just can't. No. Um, and if it wasn't for Lieutenant Gorn getting all of their information, they ha- were basically just gonna go in there either way, whether he was there or not. I mean, it, they're just kind of crazy for it, man. Um, but we know that Lieutenant Gorn. Uh, we, we, we get a, a good amount of character building on him uh, and what we feel may be unnecessary character building. 
he um he meets this this woman and because he meets this woman he falls in love with this local Aldani woman. Um he actually loses a promotion in the Empire and then because and not because of that, but uh shortly after that in some way, you know, he loses the love of his life and then eventually after that he loses his love for the Empire, kind of all in succession of each other. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously there's no clarification on who this woman is, how he lost her. You know, it could have been she was killed by the Empire so they could make room for this base. Um, whether they it was, you know, they flew her off planet because they were, you know, pushing these people out. Or it could have been something as simple as, you know, she didn't love him because he was with the Empire. Probably. You know, there's, a, there's a whole trove of things that could be true because of, uh, obviously, what Lieutenant Gorham does. Yeah, I um, mean, I think, I think the most likely option is she was probably killed. Honestly. I mean, knowing how the Empire operates, yeah, it's probably... And they probably did it in front of him. And that's they, where he was like, oh my god. Or they said, oh, uh, you know, she's off-world. And meanwhile, they put a blaster in the side of her head. Honestly, that's probably how it went. <laughs> um, but, you know, w- when we're talking about Lieutenant Gorn, uh, as we kind of follow him around his day-to-day operations, we kind of start to figure out a little more about the Imperial base, and we kind of see the inside of it finally. And we finally get to see the payroll, you know, the, that they're going to be stealing. This quarter's worth of the sector's imperial payroll. And we only saw a small, I assume to be a small portion of it. Um, and holy shit, it is like barrel-shaped just rolls, like, yeah, of, rolls like of coin or something. Coins, like, like imperial crazy. credits. Yeah, that's insane. It, it, was a, it was a lot of money. And um, we don't, they never specify how much. We know that Andor himself... Is getting equivalent U.S. dollars of a hundred two hundred and eighty-eight thousand of these credits. He's getting two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand, which equates to two hundred eighty-eight thousand U.S. dollars. Um, so he's getting a shit ton of money for this job. Yeah, this is just a mercenary they're pulling off the street, and that's only a, I can assume less than five percent of what they're taking. Yeah, this for one dude. This um, we're assuming that this amount of money they're stealing is for to fuel the rebellion further to fund the rebellion. Yeah, you know we need to figure out you know because let's be honest, uh, you know uh, stealing you know change out of a stormtrooper's pocket is going to pay for X wings, Y wings, A wings, and uh, the j- whole rebel fleet. Yeah, and so blasters and medic uh, equipment, all that. You know, the the Hoth base wasn't built overnight. Yeah, it, <laughs> okay, it, it really wasn't. Um, you know, but but as like I said, as we're walking around the base, we see the credits, and then it cuts to a shot of the Imperial workers doing their work, and we find out that these Imperial workers they report to Gorn and they're talking to him, and they kind of express a sentiment that they want to be able to also see the celestial event of the Kyber or the crystals exploding in the air, which is called the Eye uh, of Aldani, I believe, and so you know they want to see this, and so. Gorn uses this as an opportunity to say, yeah, make sure that everybody who isn't uh, essential personnel is on the service watching the event. And he uses this as to, as to basically a way to clear up space underneath the base for the seven to operate in, or I guess the six without Gorn. Yeah, I mean, it's really an ingenious plan on him, you know, because he makes it seem like I want everybody working. I don't want anybody seeing this. Yep. And then more and more of these Imperial workers are coming up saying like, hey, we want to see this event. Um, it's really a brilliant plan by Gorn. Uh, he, I, I really, truly believe without him, this him and Andor, this plan would not go. I mean, we don't even know how well it goes, but you know, yeah. obviously Andor lives, so it has to go somewhat well. Yeah. Um. And, you know, and 
it's like he uses reverse psychology on these workers here. Like, oh, well, you need to be working. And then they're like, oh, but we want to see this event. And he's like, okay, fine, but it needs to be done at this day, and you can see the event. And, like, it kind of just – it's like he knew ahead of time that they were going to ask for this. And, you know, he nails it right on the head and, and gets them to say, yeah, sure, like, you know, we'll get it done. We'll, we'll do the work for you. Um, you know, and we'll, you know, we'll do what we have to do. Yeah. Like you'll, you'll notice a lot of the workers are saying like, this isn't a desirable post. This is, yeah. you know, the only good is, thing about being here is, is that we the, might the, be able to see the this. event every three years that, you know, you might get lucky to see. Yeah. Um, um you know, we, you know, you were kind of talking about with the base layout, you know, when you see Gorn on top of the wall, you see the machine guns mounted on the fence overlooking the dam, which looked really dude, cool. That, that entire like dam, it's, it's just when they show them like hiking up on top of the mountain and then, like you, you see them overseeing it. It's it looks so sick. It's so Star Wars, and it's it's just beautiful. That the entire valley that they're in, the mountains, the scenery, it's just beautiful. Yeah, it, that's the only way to describe it. It's beautiful. It's definitely a sight to see. I'll tell you what the the, the Star Wars writers, you know, and the these these people that put together these landscapes, they're definitely doing a hell of a job. You know, it's it's beautiful. Really. Yeah, and, and it's and whether it's I mean, I know that they used a physical shoot, but even when it's CGI like a planet like Coruscant, it still turns out to be absolutely stunning. It, mm-hmm. It's incredible, and you know if we're gonna be talking about Coruscant, we gotta talk about how this is like the the political home as of right now for the rebellion as well as the empire, and the you know pretty much leader at this point of the political spearhead for the rebellion would be Mon Mothma. Yeah, 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 that's right. We talked about Mon Mothma earlier in the show. Her her daughter is a little bitch. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with a little bitch. She, she's I mean, definitely she's a little just teenager like, bitch. She's just, like, if, if, if they would let her say, fuck you, I thought that was coming out of her mouth. Oh, yeah, I mean, much. if it wasn't Disney, she was saying it. Because, like, she was already close to saying it, and it is Disney. And she was kind of just like, no, mom, like, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to go with you. I don't want to be around you. I, I don't care about you, basically. Yeah, like, I, like, I want dad to take me. Like, yeah. I don't want you to go. And Which is weird because she never goes. And later in the episode, we see just Mothma and the dad there. So don't know if that was the same thing that they were talking about. But yeah, or what exactly was going on. Like, we never really figured out exactly what it was they were trying to do. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this the the family seems really... Dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. <laughs> um, to say the least. Like, her husband, Perrin, like, he really just, like, he wasn't supportive with the daughter at all. Like, he wouldn't be, he wasn't like, well, you know, daughter, like, cal- you know, calm down. Yeah, you know, he just kind of shut up and li- uh, watched it happen. What was, the, what was it? Her name was Leia? Lila. Lila, Lila. I knew it was close. Like, she was like, you know, it's going to be like... Lita. Lita, thank you. It's hard to read that. Um... It wasn't like Lita, you know, like listen to your mother, you know, spend time with your mother. He was just kind of like, I mean, she's going to talk to you however she wants he to. He kind of wanted it to happen, it seemed like. It seemed like they talked, they was like premeditated, like they talked about it before and they wanted it to happen. Like um, they, they both kind of like, because silence is compliance. And the daughter Lita was kind of like, Mom, like you essentially only care about yourself and what you want to do. Like I never agreed to this. You know, it's been all about you lately. You know, and. and I I think that self-centeredness that you know she might be exemplifying to her family is her focus on the rebellion. Yeah, and I was just about to say that you know her 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 daughter calls her this selfish, self-centered person, and we know for a fact that that is the complete opposite of how she actually is because she personally funds the rebellion. She personally spearheads the political aspect of the rebellion. She's the first senator to vocally stand out and renounce. 
her role in the Senate, in the Imperial Senate. You and know, then ultimately, she declares war on the Empire. And then declares, and she's the first person to declare war on the Empire. So, like, we know that this is the further, like, she throws away her entire life, essentially, to fight this fight. And so we know that her daughter is definitely in the wrong here. Yeah, and I mean, outside of this point in time, we never see Mon Mothma's family. So yeah, no. we don't know at this point whether her family was killed for her rebellion. We don't know if the family disowned her and stayed loyal to the Empire. And we all know Perrin is kind of already an Empire simp as it is. Definitely seeming like uh, he's a he's a simp imp. Yeah, we don't know an if you know, they were you know they went hiding. We, we we have no idea what happened to this family. All we know is that there's tension in this family. And, you know, maybe the home front gets to Mon Mothma at some point. Maybe it causes a ripple or maybe she slips up in her cover at, in the Senate. You know, it, it could be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, they're already suspect of her if they have ever spies. Yeah, they have some spies. Spies after already after her. So, you know, it's who just, knows what happens next? Yeah, Mothma is definitely, um, I mean, good thing you touched on the spies because there are definitely a spies. And, and Perrin seems like he, he acts like he doesn't know the driver's name. I think he actually does. I think he's just kind of asking her to see if she knows it. Because it's a new driver, maybe it's a new spy. He wants to see if she knows, and then she asks him, you know, tells him, "Take the expressway. I want to get there faster." Kind of because he, he doesn't want to be in this conversation with her, and that seems like every time that they talk, he doesn't want to be present in that conversation with her. No, there's there's obviously like a really big disconnect there. Even like obviously just in general, you know, what husband to wife, you know, uh, husband daughter wife, even just person to person. <laughs> it seems person there's just person. no dis- there's just no connect there at all in any connection. There's no respect, no mutual respect, Definitely nothing, not, respect. not a not a thing. Um, you know, and and the other prominent person or thing that's happening right now on Coruscant would be Luthen. Uh, at the very end of the episode, we see Luthen. He is trying. He's on the radio transmission, trying to see if there's a transmission coming in. And his assistant steps in and says, you know, kind of, hey, like, you got to stop. Like, it's not, it's, the mission's happening now. Yeah, like, at this point, you know, you, you put your little your little paper sailboat in the water. Yep. Uh, either it's going to sink or it's going to float. And you, know? you better and, hope and that it floats. There is nothing you can do about it right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're planets away. You, you're, I'm assuming, light years away. Yeah, he has to unfortunately keep up an appearance on Coruscant to not look suspicious. Yep, and he has you to know. do it most likely with Mon Mothma. And I thought we were going to see this party or dinner party thing that was going to happen. Um, yeah, that was discussed last episode. But yeah. I think I think it might happen next episode. Judging by the pace where of the show, it might happen the next episode. Yeah, where maybe you know the the family splits and you know because this this dinner sets Mon Mothma over the edge. Yeah, and or it vice might. versa. Um, I I just feel like. The show is developing, and it's developing. It's for my liking a little too slow. Well, you, you have but to it's think too. I'm starting to understand why, though. Yeah, like, I'm starting this to is, see it. This is a, a twelve episode series. Yeah, we're right? on episode five. You know, we <laughs> are. We're used to these eight episode, six episode bangers. Like, bang, 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 bang. Yeah, like every episode is jam packed with like, oh, okay, this is this is the shit. Yeah, and there's you like know, no time for world building, story building. Yeah, and this ep- this series, for what it's designed for, right? It, this is Andor. This is Andor's story. We have five years to cover. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know we they have time to really slow things down and yep. show more complicated and more, and co- uh, more detailed storylines. And I, I think, think that's what we're seeing here. I think they've already even confirmed a season two for this. So 
that's even more time we have. Like that's even you can even slow the timeline down even more now because it's been. I think it's been confirmed as the second season, so you can slow that timeline even more down, stretch it even further out, and slow down how fast of your pace. And as a regular TV show, it's okay. I think for a Star Wars show, you got to be careful because you might lose the Star Wars fans. We're so used to action-packed stuff. Everything that we get is action-packed. Yeah, I mean, I remember almost every episode of Mando, somebody's getting shot. Somebody's getting shot. Somebody's getting cut in half. Somebody's getting blown up. Yeah, same thing with Book of Boba Fett. Somebody's getting shot. You yep. know, Obi-Wan. And that was a, even there's slow. A, there's a lightsaber battle or Obi-Wan shooting a, a blaster. You yep. know, there was, there was always action in each of these or shows. Or he was cutting off people's hands and shit. Like, there, is, there has not been slow episodes of... Star Wars that we've seen. Even in Clone Wars, there was always a fight. In Rebels, there was always a fight. In every movie, there's obviously fights. Like, we just have never had a slow-paced Star Wars story, and it definitely is going to take some adjusting to, but we're less than halfway through a series. Maybe it's us being overcritical of it, but I think we're doing a decent job of being less critical now after we've kind of started to adjust to the pace. And, um, yeah, I mean... There's really nothing else that we can, you know, talk about. I mean, we've covered yeah. everything. I'm gonna leave you guys on one funny comment, and then one cliffhanger for us to discuss. Kind of the beginning of next the sh- next show. Okay. This okay. Is a curveball for me. I'll take it though. <clears throat> um, first things first is um, these little goats named. By the way, the four horned goats, absolutely adorable. Oh, dude, their names are Dre, and they produce this. Nasty looking bronze milk. Yeah, that apparently Andor is not a fan of. Yeah, he thinks it's disgusting. I thought it was hilarious as a big fan of milk myself, but that was the funny thing. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to see that like there's blue milk. We know that there's green milk because in Galaxy's Edge there's also green milk. Yes, and we know that there is now this brownie yellowish milk from yeah, goats. Yeah, kind of looks like look consistency and color of eggnog. Yeah, a it's bit. uh, I don't know. It's interesting to see. Apparently it's very high in nutrients because they he were. Said you they, can live they, off it. They yeah. kind of laughed at the fact that he he poured his milk out. <laughs> yeah, and they said he they, he says when he hands it to him he says it's, it's goat milk you know and you can you can live off this basically, which is how high in nutrients it is, which is probably why it's disgusting. <laughs> and the cliffhanger. Have you ever had a good milk protein shake? No. Yeah, you're right. They're awful. Um, <laughs> and I think the cliffhanger I'm gonna hang you hang you off on is, um, Vel Sartha leaves the camp at night, and says I'll regroup with you guys. Yeah, during the mission. That was so. Where is she going? What's going on? And maybe is she low key a empire sympathizer? Yeah, guys, let us know. We will have a um, a question down the bottom. You know, let us know why is Vel leaving the camp? You know, it is interesting. Now that you bring it up, I completely forgot about that until you just mentioned it. Um, yeah, she, definitely. It, it's never discussed in the plan. Not. Um, and she just kind of drops the bomb as they're setting up camp right above the base. They're, she's like, I'm out. I'll see you guys Peace tomorrow. Out, y'all. I'll, meet y'all. I'll meet up with y'all. Um, yeah, so definitely definitely interesting. We'll see after we watch next week's episode what the hell is going on. Um, you know, And we will definitely see you guys again on next Monday when you guys tune into this episode. They release Monday at 11 a.m. every single Monday. And we record on Wednesdays when the show drops. So you know, you got a good two days to pick up, three days to pick up the episode before you watch the newest one. And, uh, yeah, if you guys have not already, go ahead and follow us over on Twitter and Instagram, uh, AE Podcast. And, you know, go ahead and pick yourself up some Colormatic Studios or AE merch. 
You can wear a nice comfy hoodie. I recommend the organic hoodie. Very, very soft, very nice. A little big fitting, so go for a smaller size maybe. Um, but absolutely, you know, great quality from, you know, a great production team. <laughs> Baby, it's getting cold outside. Oh, yeah, it's getting cold. Pick yourself up a hoodie. I think we also might even have sweatpants. I might be wrong. I think we have pajamas, though. I think we do have pajamas. Yeah, I need you to tell your boss to hook me up with a beanie. A beanie? Yeah, I need a beanie. Okay, I got you. I can, yeah. I can, I can hook that up. Uh, I can I'm, send I'm that. I'm a big fan of the beanie. I can send it up to the to the big dogs. I'll get you. I'll get you the right one with yeah, the good I, logo. I, and everything. I need. Yeah. I need. I, like, listen. I I kill for a good beanie. I can get you a beanie. I can get you a beanie, a hoodie, <clears throat> pajamas. I mean, I I can use a good set of PJs too. I mean, I I, I got. I think it's a top right and now. bottom set too, so you might even get Ooh, lucky. Double double <laughs> double trouble there. Double Maybe trouble, dude. Just got some socks. <sighs> I th- we do have socks, I think. I think we have low, uh, really? like ankle socks, yeah. Are they, like, fuzzy? Like, because uh, like, it gets cold down here in the basement. I don't think they're fuzzy, honestly, but I'll let you know in a second. Um, but, yeah, man, guys, if you guys haven't, right now the shop is 15% off for AE products. You can go ahead and check that out. Um, we got coffee mugs. You can get yourself some nice hot chocolate. Whatever you want to do, guys. Um, you know, it, it's just so much so much stuff you can look at. Um but definitely go ahead and check out, you know, all that stuff. Check out our links. We post every week, like I said, Monday, 11 a.m. And, you know, if you guys really want to check out anything, it's all going to be linked down below. Also, we're going to have a poll up. Um, I don't know what it's going to be yet. I'll figure it out in post. But uh, thank you all for listening to another episode of the A&E Podcast. We love you guys. From the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate your listening and your dedication to the series. Uh, any final words from you, my friend? No, just, uh, you know, like, comment, subscribe, you know, check out our Twitter and Instagram, uh, you know, comment what you want us to talk about next. If you like the structure of the show and, you know, what we're doing moving forward, um, uh, always we're looking, oh, you know, we're looking to maybe, you know, start doing two nights a week, but we need something else to discuss. So you maybe throw us down some things you want us to talk about in the comments. You know, me and Jason are kind of freaks when it comes to research and stuff like that. So we can definitely, uh, get some good conversation for you guys and our thoughts and opinions on things. So, um, <clears throat> you know, like, comment, subscribe. You know, let us know what you guys want us to talk about if we decide to move two nights a week. And uh, we appreciate you guys coming out and listening to us. That's it for us. Y'all have a great night, great day, great evening, whatever the hell time it is, wherever you're at. And uh, we love y'all. Peace out. May the force be with you.